Faithful Trinity Disclaimer The opinions, views and beliefs expressed are those of our guest speakers and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Mindful Trinity or the policies of the company thereof. The content of the show does not constitute any legal or medical advice and is provided for the general insight and guidance. If you require specific legal, medical or any professional advice, you should contact a specialist or a qualified practitioner. Please note, Mindful Trinity is a non-religious, non-sectarian organization and we are not affiliated to any religious organization. Welcome back to Mindful Trinity viewers. I am your host, Vaishnavi Charan. Our guest for today, our special guest for today is an ENT specialist, ear, nose, and throat surgeon in a private practice at Intambeni Hospital in Durban, South Africa. So good morning and welcome to Dr. Salesh Srikawal from Durban, South Africa. Uh, good morning, uh, Vaishnavi, and good morning to your followers. Uh, it's my privilege and honor to be part of your program. Uh, I'm hoping to be able to give you some insight into what an ear, nose and throat uh, doctor does, as well as to highlight this important topic of hearing health. Yes. Um, I think um, it fits very well into the type of uh, mindful trinity, um, the mission statement where you want to make uh, healthy lifestyle accessible to all people. Yes. So I'm hoping to make hearing health part of that holistic approach to, to, to our physical and mental health. Yes, thank you so much. And I'm also very grateful to you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know at the moment, doctors are actually in demand. I know you are in demand. I actually did a lot of research and I found a lot of good positive reviews about you on, on Google. And then I said, you know what? I have to get a hold of this doctor. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Vaishnavi. I think, um, uh, yeah, it's it's important to 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 know that uh, that as as doctors, we we um, we have a special role to play in terms of helping people, and it's good to get that positive feedback in terms of reviews. Yes. Uh, but uh, apart from that, you know, we always try our best to 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 make people comfortable to to make uh, sure that their healing needs are met, uh, and we try and be as caring and compassionate as we can. Yes, and thank you so much for that. We actually, well, the world needs more doctors like you. And I'm sure we actually quite fortunate in South Africa. Well, I know you and your sister. So both of you are actually absolutely amazing doctors. I just need to get more doctors just like you. So thank you so much. Yes, <laughs> no, my, my, my sister is, uh, um, I have to mention this because, uh, um, yeah, she's an amazing person and uh, I'm inspired by her. Uh, I'm not as great as, uh, as her in terms of my... Um, uh, ability to be on social media but hopefully i'll get there someday no i'm sure you're actually going to do great already and also one more thing i'm sure your parents must be so proud of both of you um i don't know if any any of your other siblings whether they're also in the medical field or any of the service field but i'm sure they are so uh, pleased with both of you and so grateful to have you both as children uh, yeah thank you no, i think I'm, I'm as proud as my parents are of us um, I think we are equally uh, proud of the way they brought us up and 
the, the values they've instilled in us and um, the opportunities that we've had in terms of, of furthering our careers. Um, and, and we use that same role model in terms of the way we, we I mean, I've got a family, uh, I've got a loving wife and two children, and uh, hopefully we can give them the same love and opportunities that we had in our lives. I'm sure you will. You know, they always say the fruits or the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. So I'm sure you will. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's part of this uh, trying to be as loving and um, wholesome a person as you can, um, uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally. So um, um, it's, been, it's been a very uh, life. Uh, and, and I really am grateful for, for, for the upbringing I've had. Awesome, absolutely awesome. So could you tell us more about Dr. Shrikawal and also what led you to become a doctor specializing in, in ENT? Um, so um, it, it's, it's a journey that started around about 1991. So I'm quite old now. <laughs> so that's when I entered medical school. Um, in 1997, I completed medical school. And um, as most of us do, we, uh, we waffle for a bit, not sure what we want to do with the rest of our lives. Uh, start seeing that first salary uh, after you're basically 24 years old or so. <laughs> um, so I, I, I spent a bit of time um, in general practice and uh, um, I did a bit of work in the United Kingdom. So I worked as a medical officer in um, an accident emergency in the United Kingdom for about a year and a half. Um, and then I came back to South Africa and I specialized in ENT surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, so how I ended up in ENT surgery, um, so basically I knew I wanted to become a surgeon, um, and then it's just a matter of, uh, I suppose, uh, some conscious decisions and uh, some fate, so I suppose uh, you never have full control of these things, um, but I'm very glad that I've, I've specialized in a very uh, exciting, interesting career, um, I think we have the ability to make a big difference to people in terms of um, general health but um, if you think about hearing if you think about uh, breathing about smell about taste um, so we, we, we do uh, try and help people in, in improving their ability to sense the world in, 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 in terms of their ears nose and throat mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a very um, interesting field in that uh, the type of work we do, uh, the, the surgery is very intricate, very um, lots of complicated anatomy, lots of potential for risk. Um, but uh, I think I've, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that I'm able to do stuff and help people. And nothing pleases me more than to, to have a, a patient who has an operation or has some kind of treatment and comes out happy on the other side. Yeah. And uh, um, and that's really what it's all about. Yes, absolutely. Um, can you also tell us what are the first signs of, of a hearing loss, especially that? Um, the, the, so I, I'm, I'm a general ENT, so I do all sorts of ENT um, surgeries, etc. But the one um, aspect of ENT that I've taken a special interest in is otology, uh, which means ear surgery. Um, 
And it all boils down to improving people's hearing. Um, so this journey started a, a, many years ago. I think um, when I first started practicing as an ENT specialist, mm -hmm. I found that I was very keen on, uh, on uh, ear diseases and operating within the ear. Um, and in the past two or three years, um, I have had the opportunity to train as a um, cochlear implant surgeon. So, so that's given me great insight into hearing problems and being able to help people who cannot hear at all. The dramatic effect of being able to have a person who cannot hear you put an implant in them and a few weeks later they can hear, they can hear, they can speak to their loved ones again. That's completely magical. Wow, yeah. Wow. Um, so I think when it comes to understanding the, the, the importance of hearing, um, the effect of hearing loss um, in terms of people and the way they interact, their communication skills, in terms of their ability to perform at work, to learn, to be able to speak. So there's various ways as an ENT specialist, you can help people mm -hmm. to be able to improve their hearing ability and in doing so, improve their quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you, coming back to the question about the first signs of hearing loss. Yeah, yeah. So I think we've, we've also all had family, relatives, parents, children. And in terms of what we're looking for in terms of hearing loss, the first signs would be that um, as a parent, they might, as an adult, they might complain that they have to ask people to repeat themselves. Um, the TV gets louder. Um, in the presence of noise, or if there are multiple people in a room, people have difficulty understanding speech. In the younger age group, it becomes an issue of not responding to sound, it becomes an issue of not being able to, to develop speech. So speech delay is an important sign of hearing loss. Um, so as an ENT specialist, we, we hope that patients who have recognized problems in themselves or problems in their families would either approach us, their doctors or an audiologist to be assessed in terms of a possible hearing loss. Okay, so with this uh, surgery that you actually just mentioned, um, yes. do you do you have to, um, does the patient have to come personally to you, or um, is there any other way for them to actually get some sort of um, how could I say it better uh, and uh, basically analyzed in order to know whether they would need that surgery or not? In terms of the type of um, approach patients would have to, to, to solving their ear problems, there's 
the first part of it is to be able to recognize that there's a problem. Mm -hmm. The second part would be to identify how to get help for that problem. In most cases, people would approach their general practitioners who would then channel them to either an audiologist or an ENT specialist. Mm -hmm. So whichever route is chosen, it's often a multidisciplinary um, approach where the ear, nose, throat doctor or audiologist would come together in terms of making a diagnosis and deciding what the problem is and how to be able to manage that, that, that specific problem. Okay, so what, what would you say? What is the most common cause of hearing loss? The causes of hearing loss, um, I think we should break them up into either adults with hearing loss and then children with hearing loss. Okay. The commonest cause of adult hearing loss is age-related hearing loss. The medical term for this is presbycusis. As we approach um, our 60s and 70s, we find that our hearing organ, the cochlea, mm -hmm. undergoes some kind of degenerative process. So these tiny little hair cells in the cochlea that start to degenerate. Apart from that, there's also some central neurological um, centers in the, in the brain that start to undergo some kind of degeneration as well. Mm -hmm. So the combination of that results in elderly people having a, some degree of hearing loss. Statistically, one third of adults over the age of 65 will experience hearing loss. By the age of 75, 50% of adults will experience hearing loss. So it's quite a significant factor in terms of most of our parents and elderly uh, relatives, friends experiencing hearing loss. So we have to identify that, that there is a possibility of hearing loss. Um, so we have to be mindful and aware that as you get older, that there is going to be an issue. And the, the, the implications of that age group is that it can cause people to become very socially withdrawn because they're unable to hear their loved ones or communicate with people around them, they tend to feel very, very withdrawn from being able to communicate with other people. Um, they've also had studies which show that it results in, in some degree of cognitive de decline. It's not being able to hear, not being able to, to learn, to understand, has an effect in terms of cognitive, cognitive decline. By which age? Do we need, need to go for these, um, well, for, for a checkup, even though we don't actually have these symptoms as yet? Sometimes, like to have an eye test, sometimes we actually don't have the symptoms, but because of our age, we have to go for it. Does, it, the, does the same actually apply to hearing? There's, there's this concept of hearing screening. Mm -hmm. um, if you have an elderly person who's got no problems with hearing, then there's no need for them to be screened. Okay, okay. 
if you've got somebody who's, so maybe we shouldn't call it, call it screening, but it, getting it assessed. Mm -hmm. um, if you've got somebody who does have signs of hearing loss, then they should be assessed. The other category is people who are screened for hearing loss. Adults get screened for hearing loss if they're exposed to noise. So if you work in a, in a construction industry, or if you work in a noisy factory where you are exposed to loud levels of sound, mm -hmm. which they define as more than 85 decibels for more than eight hours a day, wow. then you're at high risk of developing noise-induced hearing loss. Mm -hmm. So most companies do send their workers for annual hearing screening, occupational health screening, where patients are put into, uh, are sent to a screening audiology, uh, for a screening audiology assessment to identify early forms of, uh, early signs of noise-induced hearing loss. The other type of screening process that um, we see being done is in children who are born. So there's this concept of neonatal hearing screening, which ideally should be universal. It should be available to every child that's born. Um, in South Africa, we've got major problems in implementing this in the public hospitals. Most private hospitals have access to, to uh, neonatal uh, newborn hearing screening. So in that scenario, a newborn in the first month um, is tested um, to determine if there's any element of hearing loss. It's more specific to patients who are high risk. In other words, for example, children who are born, born premature, or they've had um, neonatal jaundice, or there is um, some history of perinatal infection in the mother. So those are the kind of examples where children have to be screened for, for hearing loss. With regards to, to hearing screening for children, it's an important aspect of preventing children not, not being recognized as possibly being profoundly deaf. If we identify a child in the first year of their lives as having a hearing problem, this child can be rehabilitated to function normally. In other words, they would go to mainstream schools, and they would be able to hold a normal job. That same is not rehabilitated, but unfortunately have to grow up as a deaf individual without speech. So that's the importance of newborn hearing screening and being able to identify childhood, uh, I mean, hearing loss at an early age. Okay. Is there any way for for um for any for any person to check their hearing at home? Any self uh, techniques? Firstly, um, like we spoke about earlier, it's being able to recognize the signs yourself. Okay. Um, in terms of being able to test your hearing more objectively, there are various apps available on the Apple. Um, and uh, Android platforms, okay. which can do a very rough hearing screening. 
So if you feel that there is a, there's a problem with your hearing, perhaps try to do a test on one of those apps. If you're not sure, if you need further clarification, then you should see an audiologist or an ENT specialist. Lovely, okay, awesome. How can one restore their hearing naturally? Is there any way to do that? Unfortunately, hearing loss cannot be restored naturally. Okay. Um, we have to go through a process of identifying what the possible causes are. And it might be a simple thing. It might be treating an infection. It might be as simple as removing impacted wax. It might be as simple as repairing a perforated eardrum. Mm -hmm. Or it can be as complicated as implanting a cochlea with a cochlear implant. Mm -hmm. No doubt there's lots of options available to, be, to, to, to identify and treat the problem appropriately. There are those patients, however, who will not get the appropriate assistance. Okay. A lot of it is not because there isn't an option available, but I think the biggest problem is that a lot of these options are extremely costly. Yeah. The cost of hearing aids, the cost of, of treating a patient with, with a surgically manageable ear problem, most people cannot afford that cost without having a medical aid, or even if, even in the public sphere. Often these, um, these uh, modalities aren't available because of resources. So I think the world's facing a huge problem in that the number of people with hearing loss, according to a recent uh, release from the World Health Organization, mm -hmm. there are currently 430 million people who have hearing loss. Oh my word, that's... That's 5% of the world's population have hearing loss. Yeah. Of that, 80% are in developing countries who don't have resources to help these people. So I think, I think the, the, the healthcare systems around the world are battling to find ways to manage patients with hearing loss based on the fact that it is extremely costly to treat or to provide a patient with a hearing aid. Okay. For a person that actually already has a hearing aid, they already have been diagnosed with a hearing problem, but I know those batteries are actually quite pricey as well. Is there any other way for them to actually get assistance? Say, for instance, they actually went to a public sector um, to get help with the, with the hearing. They actually, they don't have the funds, they don't have medical aid to go to a private doctor, how can, what help can they get? Um, I haven't worked in the public sector for the past 10 years. So uh, okay. in terms of my understanding of the running, uh, the, the way it, the, the mechanisms work mm. in the public sector, uh, I might not be able to give you the correct answer, but I, I do know that they're extremely uh, short of resources. So in terms of being able to provide batteries for hearing aids, I am not sure if they can provide that. Okay. It's for people to, to fund their own batteries. I, I, I don't know what it costs. So uh, unfortunately I can't give you 
um, a satisfactory answer for that one. What happens if hearing loss is not treated? So there's the first population group that, that we need to talk about is the pediatric population. If you have a child who has hearing loss, so in, in, in children, the commonest cause of hearing loss is middle ear disease. In fact, 80% of children in the first five years of their lives will have some degree of middle ear problem. Often it goes unnoticed, but sometimes it can become significant in that the child will have repeated middle ear infections or they'll have presence of fluid in the middle ear, which persists and causes a hearing loss. The effect of that hearing loss is that the child goes through their first few years of life when they are primed to develop speech without being able to hear well. As a consequence, they can have problems with speech development. So they end up having delayed speech in which their speech ability is not the same as their peers, or they can have problems with pronunciation. Um, if the child has a profound hearing loss, um, we spoke about this earlier, if they're not rehabilitated by the, the age of one, there's a very high chance that they would go through the, through the rest of their lives without being able to hear, speak, and function normally in society. With regards to adults, I think we touched on this, this um, in a little bit earlier. If you have an adult with a hearing loss, they become less productive to society. Somebody sitting in an office and unable to hear, unable to communicate with their colleagues um, in any sphere of the work environment will not be as functional as somebody who has normal hearing. In the elderly population, it becomes a problem of social isolation and uh, progression to dementia. So what we're saying is that if you have a hearing problem, we need to identify what the problem is. We need to find out what the solution is so that we can improve your chances of having a normal quality of life and not having to undergo or to have one of those negative outcomes. Okay, awesome. What level of hearing loss requires a hearing aid? The, the way we measure hearing loss um, is in decibels mm -hmm. of sound. So normally our ears are able to hear normal hearing is between zero and 25 decibels. Mm -hmm. So that's the way normal hearing is defined. Anything above 25 decibels is regarded as a hearing loss. And hearing loss is graded into mild, moderate and severe, profound, depending on the number of decibels required in terms of loudness before an individual can hear that sound. Mm -hmm. So apart from hearing the sound, we have to also understand that speech is a is multiple sounds that the person hearing has to be able to understand or has to be able to perceive and to be able to understand what it means. So when an audiologist assesses 
assesses a patient, they assess their ability to hear sound, as well as their ability to understand speech. A patient will require a hearing aid when their audiogram suggests that they have a significant hearing loss and they have problems understanding speech at a certain level. However, the ultimate decision lies with the patient. Somebody with 40 decibel, a 40 decibel hearing loss might be able to function normally. In other words, they don't feel that they're disadvantaged at work. They communicate well. They're not able to, they, they don't have any problems hearing the car hoot around the, 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 on the street. So those people don't require hearing aids. However, you have other 40 decibel hearing loss patients who find, so it all depends on the, the patient's subjective experience. If they think that, that the hearing loss is significant to cause them to be missing out on conversation or having problems with, with communication, then they should consider hearing aid. The other reason to consider hearing aids early is that if you go through longer periods of time with hearing deprivation, it results in problems with the, the central connections, the, the, the brain's ability to understand speech if you try to rehabilitate them after many, many years of, of, uh, of hearing deprivation. Okay, awesome. So I've got a scenario for you. Um, it's actually a 63-year-old gentleman that has an ongoing skin problem. So which it actually, basically it's actually on and off and it started out um, on the outside of the ear and he recently developed this rash inside the ear, the, the left ear. Um, so the rash is now spread inside and outside and can the skin irritation affect his hearing in the long run and are there any solutions for him? So bear in mind, he has a medical, um, he actually did have medical, uh, medical treatments for this issue. And according to him, he has this um, skin disorder from quite an early age in his life. It's like there's a skin problem that's extending into the ear canal. Mm -hmm. the, the ear canal is lined by the same skin that lines the outside of your ear. Okay. So with regards to the, 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 the skin problem, the patient's likely to have crusting and intermittent infections because of that skin problem. Okay. However, it's very, very unlikely that that will result in a hearing issue. Okay. It might indirectly cause a bit of accumulation of debris in the ear, mm -hmm. which can block the conduction of sound, but it's not likely to cause a significant hearing loss. Okay, okay, awesome. So I think, I think this patient as well, you know, it's important for them to get assessed by a dermatologist to, to, to treat the, the skin problem appropriately. Mm -hmm. And often they're able to manage the ear canal part of it as well. If there is any potential problem in the ear that's deeper than the, the, the ear canal, um, then that patient should, should see an ENT specialist. Okay. Could you give us one or two pivotal moments that have shaped your journey? But before getting into that, I actually have one more for you. It's actually regarding um, these devices that we actually use in our ears, like what I'm actually using right now, um, earphones. And yes. there's also headphones. headphones. The, yeah. Do these uh, devices actually cause or actually affect hearing loss or damaging the eardrum or anything of that sort? The answer is yes. Okay. 
So I think we, what we have to, to realize is that headphones and earphones are able to produce sounds as loud as 110 decibels. Sure. Wow. So if you're listening to music at maximum volume, volume on your earphones, mm-hmm. and I think this goes out to, to parents of young children, teenagers who tend to spend a lot of time um, using headphones, earphones, AirPods. Mm-hmm. If you're using AirPods at, at high volumes or, or headphones at high volumes, at maximum volume, there's a significant chance that you can end up with a hearing loss. There's been a study that was done in, uh, in the Netherlands where they, they screened about 3,000 9 to 11 year olds mm-hmm. with, who used headphones regularly, at least three hours a day. And they found that 14% of this, of this population had changes on their audiology assessments. So if we want to be extremely careful, mm-hmm. we should make sure that the volume on the headphones is not at maximum volume. Mm-hmm. It should be less than 85 decibels. So as a rough measure, normal speech is about 60 decibels. So the intensity of the sound should be slightly louder, but not more than that mm-hmm. of normal speech. We should encourage breaks. So we should encourage the child to stop using the, the device or the headphone after an hour, have a break, and then they can go back to using it later. Yeah. So we have to realize that this is going to become a more significant problem over time. Yeah. Because headphones and earphones have only been and have only been around for the past 10 to 15 years. Yes. And this is kind of early in terms of understanding what the eventual outcomes are. Mm -hmm. The World Health Organization actually says that in 2050, they feel that there'll be 2.5 billion people with hearing loss. I think a large portion of this might be from the excessive use of headphones and earphones, Mm -hmm. as well as being exposed to noise produced in, um, in nightclubs and loud um, live events where the, 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 the loudspeakers pump out sounds in the excess of 110 decibels. <laughs> so we have to be very careful with the places that we visit and with the use of headphones and earphones in terms of the potential to cause hearing loss. Yeah, you know what, I always thought I'm quite safe because I hardly use these things. But sometimes I actually use the headphones and I thought that is actually much better than this. But now you're telling me both are just the same. <laughs> I think you can use it, except be wary of the, the loudness and yeah. be wary of the duration of use. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Okay. Now getting back to my previous question, could you, could you give us one or two pivotal moments that have shaped your journey thus far? The first one um, is the, this entire journey of being an otologist and understanding hearing loss. And this has progressed to a point where I was able to, to be trained and to perform cochlear implant surgery. Mm-hmm. About a year, about two years ago, there was um, a 50 year old lady who had sudden bilateral hearing loss. So from being a normal, productive, functional adult to being able to hear nothing was a huge problem for her. 
socially, psychologically. And so she became the first person that I actually performed a cochlear implant for. The, the surgery went off well, and after a few weeks, she had the implant switched on. And it was absolutely amazing to see her go from zero to hero. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So, so I think that has kind of made me a bit, made me a lot more interested in, in being able to help people with hearing loss, with severe to profound hearing loss, mm -hmm. where they're unable to communicate at all. They're unable to hear anything. They're un unable to hear with the most powerful hearing aid. So that's the group of people that will eventually need to see an audiologist or an ENT specialist so that they can be channeled into a cochlear implant program. Um, yeah, so, the, so I, think, I think that's been a very pivotal part in, my, in terms of my um, career development in the past few years. Yeah. And I'm quite grateful to have had the opportunity to learn how to, 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 to do cochlear implant surgery. Um, it's still a bit of an early stage in terms of my learning. Um, and I think the biggest challenge right now is finding that a lot of people will find that, that there will be problems with funding a cochlear implant. Mm -hmm. Even medical aids will, will think hard and long before they actually authorize uh, an implant. Apart from the cost of the implant, it's a very long process of rehabilitation. Patients need to see an audiologist and speech therapist so that they can be able to use their implants in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. Often these, are, these patients are children who've never heard sound before. Oh. Or they're adults who've heard a bit of sound and then lost their hearing and have forgotten who can't speak normally. So there's a lot of retraining that needs to happen. In terms of my general career as, as a doctor, I think it's been pivotal that you know, we've had this opportunity to be trusted by people, to be trusted by patients. Um, I think we take it for granted that when a patient walks into your rooms, they often trust you with their most private and personal problems. Absolutely lovely. Absolutely awesome. Yes, and I actually do agree with you. Um, when we actually look at, at doctors, we actually see them as an extension of God because you're like representing God to actually help. You're, you're serving. You're serving mankind. And we are absolutely grateful to you guys for, I mean, especially during this old pandemic, I think we actually saw more of this than ever, ever before. All of you actually came in the think, front line, you know, and to help all of us. So thank you. Thank you for that. I think we, as a medical fraternity, um, we, we, we also, you know, we must be humble enough. Yeah. Um, it, it's special to be a doctor. Uh, yes, we've helped. Um, yes, there have been amazing stories about doctors yeah. have gone out of their way to, to, to help patients during COVID, to put their lives at risk. Yeah. To, to save other people's lives. Um, my hat really goes out to the nurses. Mm. Uh, the nursing in, during the COVID times has been phenomenal. 
the, the, the unsung heroes. Uh, I go and visit a patient with COVID and I spend five minutes. And, and you have these nurses who are there for 12 hours in a day, foregoing their lunch breaks, um, coffee breaks, time off, and, and working with a smile, knowing that they have the chance, they have this potential to take this deadly virus home to their families. That's amazing. You're right, absolutely right. You're right, they're actually unsung heroes. And we're also grateful to them. Uh, yeah. I, I really, really find that, that during this pandemic, what we've learned is that, that some people um, have been superheroes. They put their lives in, they've been unselfish, completely unselfish. They put their lives at risk so that they could help other people. Absolutely, absolutely true. So what are your, your, your hopes and your dreams for the medical profession? It's been a very um, sore point in South Africa. We've got a, we live in such a beautiful country. We have beautiful people, but we have a terribly dysfunctional health system. The, the public health care system is, is shocking. I think we all know that. Mm. Um, the public health system works, but it has its problems too. I'm no politician. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm no uh, health economist. Um, but I, I, I think something needs to be, to, to, be, to be done. Something has to change. Um, whether it's NHI or whether it's some other system, but I think we need more resources that are spent in the right fashion so that, that everybody has access to a fair level of healthcare sure. without wasted. Sure. Um, so, I mean, being in the public health uh, sphere, it makes it, makes it easier to work. It's not always easy. We, we, we often have funding problems with patients. We try and help many patients as possible. Unfortunately, the cost of healthcare is always going to be a factor mm. and it's always going to get more expensive every single year. Sure. So I have no idea how we can solve this problem. Um, I, I hope there's some magic out there or somebody who can mm. figure out what the solution is, but we need a solution very, very quickly. Yeah. Well, I guess with you putting it out there, I'm sure the universe, God will actually hear that and tell, you know, the right type of people will come, come forward and try to help. So thank you so much for putting it out there. We hope. Yeah, we have to pray and hope. You're right. What advice can you give our Mindful Trinity listeners or viewers today? So I think I wanted to just bring about a mindfulness about hearing health. I want you as an individual, as a parent, as an older adult, to identify whether there is a problem with your hearing, whether there's a problem with hearing of a loved one, so you can make the appropriate decisions about attending to it, whether it means seeing your GP or your clinic or your audiologist or going to an ENT specialist. We, are, we, we realize that 
our hearing is such an important aspect of our lives. It gives color to this mute world. If you attend to hearing problems early, there might be a simple solution. If you delay it, it might become a bigger problem and it becomes more difficult to treat. And then you might miss the opportunity of having normal hearing so you can speak and appreciate your loved ones and have a, a good quality of life. Yeah, thank you so much for that. That's really something to think about. Thank you. How can our public find you? I know you're not so much on social media, but um, I know you actually have a lot to offer in the real world as well. So how can our public find you? I'm available at Interbeni Hospital at the Ear, Nose and Throat Center. Um, I do have a website, so my details are online. Mm -hmm. um, alternatively, um, if you, uh, you know, in, there, there, there's it's quite a few ENTs around in Durban. Mm. So if you need to, to, to see somebody you, you know, then please go ahead and see an ENT specialist. And the audiologists are another important cog in this machinery of, of being able to manage people with hearing loss. So, so there's various ways you can get help, uh, but personally, I'm, I'm at Interbeni Hospital and my details are available online. I will share it on the, on the show notes as well. So thank you so much, Dr. Salia Shrikawal. I'm so grateful that we, we actually made it to this point to have our discussion. I'm so grateful to you for making time out of your busy schedule. Like we also discussed, life at the moment is so crazy for doctors, especially you as well. And yeah, again, I'm absolutely grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making time. Vishnavit, it was an absolute pleasure. And uh, I think we should just let the followers know that we've had Telcom, Eskom, <laughs> uh, yeah. over the past two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, but it's happened very nicely. Thank you so much for this opportunity to, to address your followers. And um, please keep safe. Uh, we're at this um, third wave of the pandemic. Um, please, please be extra careful. Avoid gatherings. Please wear your mask. Please sanitize. We can't say this enough. People are dying of this terrible disease. So please take care. Thank you so much. Thank you for reminding us as well. I think all of us, even as adults, we actually need to be reminded because some of us actually just forget that this virus is actually real. So thank you so much for reminding us. And to our viewers, if you actually found some sort of resonance in our discussion today, please do subscribe to our channels, um, rate us, and also leave us, leave us a review and share this podcast across your social channels with all of your friends and your family, like-minded people that also want to learn to heal, to grow, and to move forward. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.